Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the show, Fifth Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and coming to you live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm your host, Nick Gieber, and I'm very pleased at this point to welcome back to the show my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya, who, as I mentioned before, Kartik has had a number of his other responsibilities uh, rearing their ugly head. But Kartik, we hope to have you back on a more permanent basis. Yeah, uh, season's over now for Miami FC, so uh, I, I should be here most of the time. I'm I'm uh, uh, encouraged by uh, obviously us winning the Nisa title over the weekend, so that's another trophy for our club. And uh, uh, my my media uh, operations communications responsibility obviously kind of uh, wind down during the off season. So uh, look looking to be here more. Good. Well, we uh, glad we'll be glad to have you back. Of course, what a weekend in football um incredible the premier league providing all the entertainment you could ever want look it is the greatest show on earth i i I don't know what to say it is the greatest reality show ever in the history of of the world uh, to use almost a trumpian uh, type of exaggeration uh but it really (laughs) is um you know we're seeing drama in the premier league that's so uh, that's so beyond the norm i mean we get it every year we get drama but but this year like nothing before the fact that liverpool just went 50 games unbeaten in the premier league and no one is talking about that okay that is not even being discussed as a interesting statistic uh is in and of itself an absolutely incredible thing it shows you what else is going on around the league that makes it so compelling look uh, we, uh, I, I said on Thursday that this was, and Friday that this was a, a weekend of absolutely cataclysmic matches of, of earth-shattering importance for the year's uh, Premier League for this iteration of the Premier League. I mean, we had, if you remember, we had uh, Southampton, Everton, uh, we had uh, Watford, Norwich, we had Man, uh, we had, uh, pardon me, Liverpool, Manchester City, we had uh, Leicester City uh, playing Arsenal, we had uh, Chelsea playing Crystal Palace. Uh, don't who can forget the Sheffield United, uh, Tottenham Hotspur. I mean, these, we couldn't have laid on bigger matches uh, for the uh, than what we got in the Premier League, and they came up big. We're going to talk about it when we come back uh, right here on Fifth Street Soccer. Hope you'll stay with us. We'll be right back to kick it off. All right, welcome back. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick and Kartik with you. What a weekend in the Premier League. Um, So much to talk about. And I really don't know where to start with it, Kartik, except that, of course, all the matches that went on this weekend in the Premier League, and there were a lot of massive matchups, as I discussed in the open. Kartik, I'm going to ask you this question, though. If a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? Uh, yeah, well, not if there's no one there to hear it. Exactly. So our domestic league, Major League Soccer, had their cup final uh, this weekend uh, where 
the Seattle Sounders won the MLS Cup. Kartik, 1.2 million viewers, one of the lowest ever. It was on over-the-air television, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was on ABC. It was on ABC. Uh, no one's watching it. I mean, their timing's ridiculous. It's in the middle of uh, NFL se- NFL's season on Sundays, right? It was a Sunday, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got the biggest uh, Premier League match of the season on Sunday. Uh, you know, we're in the middle of basketball season. We're in the middle of college basketball season. I just, I just don't know what's going through the head of these people. One point two million people yeah, watch for, this over the air. How, how even for terrible. soccer fans, you know, there's, uh, they've had this problem before. I mean, I, I'll never forget when they had a, uh, a, a, a I want to say a semifinal match or a, a, a playoff match of some significance. Go head to head with El Clasico. Barcelona yep. was playing Real I remember Madrid. That. <laughs> so I mean, they—they're not even—they're not even sure um, when to schedule matches to get soccer fans to view it. Um, I have to say, though, you know, part of it is that they, because their product is not that attractive, they're stuck in whatever windows the networks give them. So they—they uh, they, uh, made the mistake. Uh, the final game for David Beckham in uh, Major League Soccer was an MLS Cup that was played along uh, at the very same time as the SEC championship game mm-hmm. uh, between Alabama and Georgia, and that was an epic ma- uh, game. Then, uh, I mentioned to you a couple of years later against El Clasico, now uh, this came right after uh, that Liverpool-Manchester City match, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I actually went to a local soccer match here, so I didn't watch MLS Cup, and we had our NISA final, uh, NISA's a, uh, a third division, but uh, we had that final the, the, the night before, but uh, went up against, I believe, some Serie A um, and uh, La Liga matches uh, 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 on television. So that all cuts into the number for uh, for MLS Cup. Uh, I also will give them, uh, cut them some slack in that it does not necessarily help when you have a Canadian team in the final with the no, U.S. television sure. ratings. But They're still, not, uh, that is still true. it's not good enough. No, I mean, look, the, the point that I was making, and I spoke a little bit about this last week, was that, you know, uh, rather than just being so terribly negative about all of this, uh, you know, the, the postseason just needs to be completely revamped somehow. Because, uh, to be honest, I, I don't know that they're generating enough viewers to make it worthwhile by extending out this season through, you know, this whole bracket system. Uh, maybe they're better off by just taking the top four teams and, and, and they qualify kind of like or do kind of like they do on the championship playoffs, you know, uh, to come up where you can maybe take it down to a final game where there's one winner. But the, I, yeah. I, I think the the issue is, is that Major League Soccer has not developed an out of market fan base. In other words, I, I don't deny that in Atlanta, lots of people support Atlanta United, or in Portland, lots of people support the Timbers, or, and in Seattle, people support the Sounders, and in LA, people support the Galaxy or LAFC. There are lots of those fans, and I'm using primarily, obviously, West Coast teams because that's where I've spent most of my time here in the States. But, um, you know, this weekend, I watched in the Premier League. Now, my team's Liverpool, and yes, of course, I watched the Liverpool City game. But, you know, I was riveted, riveted, to Everton, Southampton, Watford, Norwich. I was riveted to uh, Tottenham, Sheffield United. Uh, if you weren't riveted to Leicester City, Arsenal, there's something very, very wrong with you. None of these are my team, okay? If I had an opportunity, if someone said, Nick, you can go see Liverpool or you can go see, you know, Leicester City, I'd, I'd go see my team. But yet I tuned into these matches, 
to watch them and watched a lot of them on NBC Sports Gold after the fact because he obviously can't watch 100 matches at one time. But the pro- the point is is that there's no compelling reason to do that in Major League Soccer. And until that compelling reason exists, Kartik, they are always going to struggle for ratings, even amongst the soccerati. Yeah, I think that they're, uh, the playoffs also... Seattle is an incredible market with uh, uh, fans that are um, uh, qu- quite annoying but uh, but passionate. Uh, however, again, uh, I think the final neutrals wanted to see was LAFC and Atlanta United, and both teams were upset in the playoffs um, oh, yeah. because of the way the, the playoff system operates, which is part of the problem. So uh, I, I think for Major League Soccer and for, let's say, for Bob Bradley this season, his team – uh, one of the best teams in the history of the league uh, gets upset in the playoffs. They are not in MLS Cup. Atlanta has won two trophies already this season. They had a chance to win a treble, uh, and they're not in MLS Cup. So, and it became a, a very kind of dry and predictable final. And, and you're talking about after a weekend with uh, with uh, great Premier League uh, matches: uh, Liverpool, Leicester City, Chelsea. Uh, also, the Derek Classicer uh, with Bayern and, and 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 Dortmund. You're talking about Messi's magic on Saturday afternoon to, to, to lift Barcelona who are struggling uh, forward. Uh, those are the compelling storylines in football. And uh, after a weekend of European football, it's very difficult for football fans to get motivated to watch this stuff. I, I'm just being, I, I'm just being blunt about it. I'm sorry if people get offended by that, but that's, that's the reality of where we are with MLS. Um, now, maybe they appeal to casual American sports fans. I don't know. But as far as soccer fans I know, football fans, they're just not that interested. They might have been more interested if Atlanta were in the match or LAFC, but they weren't interested in seeing Seattle versus Toronto. It's just the way it is. Well, that's the point I'm making is there's no compelling reason. And look, I mean, uh, the bottom line is is there's very little compelling reason to watch a large portion of the league unless you are a fan of, of a team in particular because you just want to watch them play. But as I pointed out, I'm not a fan of Watford. I'm not a fan of Norwich. I'm not a fan of Sheffield United or Leicester City or Arsenal. But I watched all of these games because they were compelling and they, they were important parts of the storyline of the great soap opera that is the Premier League, because it is the greatest soap opera on earth. That it truly is. Uh, and, you know, until we can figure out how to sprinkle that magic dust, that special source, uh, domestically, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, salary caps or, you know, competing with uh, the biggest football teams on the planet. I'm talking about until we can develop that level of excitement and interest However we do it, and we're going to have to do it without promotion and relegation because we know that's not going to come in any time, probably in my lifetime. Um, I think MLS is forever going to be an afterthought. Yeah, and I think that the unfortunate thing is that um, we are in a situation where if you don't create some sort of relevance and some sort of reason for for people to, to, to be interested uh, in this day and age – you're not going to get uh, people to watch because there's just too much other football on. Like I said, would you rather watch uh, uh, a Messi or would you rather watch MLS Cup, right? I mean, you know, it's just – it's one of those things where um, they they are not able to create um, the sort of – uh, context that 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 football fans are driven to 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 embrace, and 
a big part of the problem, Nick, and you and I have talked about this over and over through the years, is the unwillingness of American soccer fans to accept where MLS is in the global game, where MLS stacks up versus European leagues, uh, and, and, and uh, deal with the reality, which is you need to improve the product uh, on the field. You need, and it's not just improving the product on the field because I think MLS actually might be, in, in some ways, a better league uh, uh, that pe- than people think. But uh, change the hokey format to where uh, the the matches matter more right. and there's more uh, interest in individual matches, particularly right. in the regular season. Right. I think we're just about out of time this segment, but that is exactly right. It, we're not talking about rooting it out and blowing it up and building it up. I, I just think there's some tweaks and some fine-tuning, and I don't know what the answers are. If you know, let us know. Find us on Twitter at Fifth Street Sports. All right, we've got to run. We'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick and Kartik with you. Kartik, there's so much to get to. Uh, a, a cataclysmic day, uh, a weekend, excuse me, in the Premier League. Uh, really, in point of fact, starting with Friday, where we had, uh, you know, this wonderful relegation six-pointer between Norwich and Watford. And I, I just knew that Watford were going to win this game, by the way. I, I put that did put that match out that Watford were going to win. Uh, Norwich uh, just, you know, that experiment is a failure yeah. at this point. And, and Watford, I mean, they're in Europe, and <laughs> funnily enough, right? <laughs> and uh, it just seems like, the pieces are there for Watford. We know that, right? I mean, you know, Troy Deeney aside, but um, they were overdue for a win. Yeah, Kiki Sanchez Flores has come in to shore up their defense. Uh, obviously, uh, an accomplishment. He's actually won the Europa League with uh, with with, with uh, Atleti uh, back in the day. So uh, th- I think Watford will continue to get better. Daniel Farka uh, gambled brought his entire team up from the championship last season, uh, rewarded them for for the incredible uh, run that they had in that league uh, starting in about the middle of October uh, through the end of the season where uh, uh, they stormed from being mid-table to to running away with the league. But uh, he kept faith with those championship-level players, and they are a championship-level team, unfortunately. So uh, I I don't know what's going to happen in in January. They're going to have to make some changes or – They'll just accept going down, which is something that Nor- Norwich has been able to do, right? Uh, be a yo-yo club, and it's for Delia Smith and and uh, uh, and their board. It's been a sustainable business model. Um, well, well, don't pers- spend too much on players. Go right. down, keep team intact, come back up a year or two later. Well, that's precisely it, isn't it, Kartik? I mean, they didn't make that humongous investment in Premier League players that most teams coming up in the Championship made. Aston Villa, for example. Uh, and I think yeah. it's it's because they've been in the yeah. Premier League, you know, f- before. And so Delia Smith, you know, understood the business model and said, you know, uh, if I make this investment, it's 50-50 if we stay up. And if I don't make the investment, it's probably uh, 75-25 that we go back down. But, you know, I'm not going to bankrupt my club when I go back down. In point of fact, I'm going to get parachute payments for the next three years, and I could probably use that to invest and very quite possibly win the championship again. So I think it might, I mean, it might have proven to be a failed model for survival in the Premier League, but it may actually prove to be a successful model for sort of that bounce back scenario. And also financially, the club will probably be in a lot better, a solid, more solid footing. 
Yeah, and, and I think that this model has worked for her, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, time in and time out, and they haven't had any of the problems that other clubs have had in terms of finances after getting relegated. So I, I understand it. It's, uh, I think, frustrating for, 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 for some of their fans, although I think there are a lot of their fans I speak to who say, oh, well, we prefer the championship because we're able to play more open attacking football in the championship and in the Premier League, we're always trying to defend deep and, and get through it. So they appreciate Daniel Farka bringing the team up and continuing to play that way. They create a lot of chances in, in, in matches. They, unfortunately, they, they leak goals as well. So um, I think they're going down. Uh, Watford has a realistic shot of staying up. This is the, 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 the first important step forward in that. Um, well, they're out and, of the relegation uh, zone. Yeah. Oh and, no. And, oh and no. Excuse me. They're they're not. They're they're eight points. Yeah. They're they're three points yeah. out of the relegation zone, and they got teams like uh, Villa and West Ham, who I, and those are teams that are worthy of a uh, almost a whole show on their own to discuss. But I think they stand a good chance of getting out of it. Yeah. I, uh, West Ham. There's something very very wrong there. Uh, Villa. I think is uh, uh, Dean Smith is trying to play. Uh, good football. They've integrated their 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 play. Uh, a lot of the guys that they signed, uh, they spent more money. Their net spend was higher than any other uh, uh, club in the Premier League this yeah. uh, this summer, uh, including Liverpool, Manchester City, and, and uh, Arsenal and others. So uh, I think they'll probably be fine. West Ham, I'm really growing concerned about. Uh, but yeah, this is a good first step for Watford. Uh, important victory. Uh, you predicted it. I thought the same thing would happen. Uh, but uh, again, I think that it was something that they had to do. They had to get this victory. Now they have. Yeah, I, I think they they move forward from here. I think they do as well, Kartik. Uh, all right. So that was the first big match. Obviously, that was on the Friday. But then, uh, then things just got really crazy uh, on Saturday. Uh, we had. Uh, well, uh, let's just start with Newcastle Bournemouth, shall we? Because I predicted Bournemouth would lose that game. I said Newcastle were going to win. And it does look to me, Kartik, we don't need to spend a great deal of time on this one, but it does look to me like Steve Bruce has, uh, is finding his footing and Newcastle are finding their pace again. So uh, I, they're going to be safe. That was a very good win for them at St. James's Park. Um, I was surprised by the Burnley win uh, over West Ham. I really thought West Ham were going to go to Turf Moor and get a result because I think they're overdue. But boy, they got beaten three uh, nil oh, by Burnley, and uh, where, you you're right. It's big trouble right now. Big trouble at West Ham. Yeah, I, I think that that was a, a really ominous result for them. I think it wasn't good at all, honestly. And and uh, uh, when we talk about um, uh, we talk about West Ham, we're talking about a team that has uh, spent a fair amount of money on a lot of uh, stylistically. Uh, interesting players. Now, here's something that I think is important for us to remember about West Ham and their supporters. And I, I think every single person listening probably knows a West Ham supporter or two. They enjoy good football more than they enjoy winning yeah. football. So um, there's a, a, a style associated with the club going back uh, to, to the 60s and going back uh, to the Jeff Hurst and Bob, Bobby Moores and et cetera. Um, so I think they're probably concerned about the results, but they, they like the football they're seeing because it is open and attacking. And there is a loss for that club in terms of its identity since they have moved to a uh, to, to this uh, uh, new ground, to the yeah. Olympic Stadium or London right. Stadium, as it's being called. They just do not have 
the home pitch advantage they had at the bowling, bowling ground. They just do not have the kind of home advantage other teams in, in this division have. And uh, that, I think, is going to bite them for years to come. But when you talk about Golden Sullivan, their owners, who I think every most people listening to the show know about those two guys, uh, they're not concerned about that. They're concerned about the bottom line, and uh, that's why they're in that stadium. And I, I just don't think it's going to get much better for West Ham uh, anytime soon. Uh, I, quite frankly, uh, Nick, this may seem, seem a pop, uh, uh, you know, really fatalistic, but I don't think it'll ever get better for them as long as they're playing in that stadium. They just that is such a competitive disadvantage that place compared yeah. to the the other grounds, even the other big grounds in the Premier League. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, let's. Uh... You know, I think there's going to be a manager change there pretty soon too, unfortunately. But yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, uh, Southampton, Everton went to St. Mary's. I predicted they were going to win. Look, Everton are really, really struggling. But but Southampton are, are just pure crap. Uh, you know, I don't think you ship nine goals and and you're not crap. I mean, there's just a there, there's no coming back for Southampton. Uh, that team is going down, um, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. No. Um, and I think Hassan Hutel, uh, he's a good manager, although he did get himself sacked at Leipzig uh, after finishing second the one year. The next year, they fell completely out of the European spots, if I recall correctly. I think they fell to seventh or eighth in the Bundesliga uh, and then bounced back up uh, under Ralf Rasenek the next season. But uh, he's a pretty good manager, but they have – it is so difficult when you keep selling your best players every single year. And think about the number of guys who've come through Southampton in the last five or six seasons. You just look at the Liverpool squad, among other teams near the top of the Premier League that have feasted on Southampton. Eventually, you are going to run out of players. Their academy's not producing the, the level of player that they did uh, before when they produced the likes of Adam Lallana, uh, uh, Nathaniel Klein, etc., Callum Chambers, uh, and, and, and many others. And their scouting network seems to have broken down. They're not scouting as well as they were when they brought in the likes of Graziano Pella and Sadio Mane and others right. from the continent. So um, they're done. I, I think they're done as a Premier League club, and, and they're going to have a tough rebuild to get back up in the division. Um, and I yeah. know the happiest people in the world right now are Pompey fans because they hate Southampton. Yes, they do. Um, I don't want to talk about uh, – let's talk about Chelsea Palace, Spurs Sheffield, uh, Leicester Arsenal, and, of course, the big one uh, when we come back after the break – Let's just wrap it up with Wolves Villa at the Molyneux. I mean, again, I I had that one. I knew Wolves were gonna were gonna win that. Again, a, another club that's uh, that has at times this season uh, underperformed, but has found a a nice little rich vein of form here. The last uh, four or five games, I believe the last game they lost was uh, way back in uh, middle of September. Since that time, I think they're unbeaten in now seven games. So. Uh, you know, Wolves showing why we were calling them the uh, best of the rest last year. Remember, we were questioning that the first four or five weeks of this season as they were languishing in the relegation zone. Yeah, although that that had a lot to do with Europe, right? And, yeah. and now I think uh, Kiki San- uh, excuse me, not Kiki San- Nuno Espirito Santos, uh, another former uh, former Valencia manager. So many former Valencia managers in the Premier League. It's funny when they get sacked in, in La Liga, they come to the Premier League. But uh, uh, really good manager, and he had to just figure out how to rotate his squad with with Europe. Uh, European commitments, uh, Europa League, and uh, Premier League. He's figured it out now. Uh, they are in contention to to be in Europe again next season. I, I I think they probably do finish in the top seven 
um, the way they're playing. Right. Uh, all right. So, uh, so much to get to. Um, I'm wondering if there's anything. We just got literally 25 seconds. Uh, what else did I miss that we were going to talk about? Um, no, I think that's about it. All right. So when we come back, yeah. uh, let's talk uh, Spurs, Sheffield, Leicester, Arsenal, of course, Chelsea, Palace. Uh, we can talk Man United, Brighton, and of course, the title race, the big one, Liverpool, Man City at Anfield. Uh, we will be right back of History Soccer right after these messages. All right, welcome back. History Soccer, you're with Nick and Kartik tonight, as you are each and every weeknight, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. on the left coast. That's Monday through Friday. By the way, Veterans Day. I'm a veteran myself. Uh, I would like to take this opportunity to uh, wish... All of my fellow veterans, a happy Veterans Day, and welcome to the show, all of our men and women in uniform uh, around the world who are listening on the American Forces Network. We love having you on the show. By the way, we're also streaming on our digital plat- platforms as well, iHeartRadio, uh, TuneIn, uh, the award-winning Sirius XM app, and of course, we're live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports, and the affiliate stations of the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. Great to be with you uh, as we... Start to look now at, at some of the really, uh, I won't say surprising matches, Kartik, because I actually had almost all of these results, okay? Uh, but some of the matches that are really starting to shape this Premier League season as we're now, uh, you know, 12 weeks into a 38-game schedule gives you an idea of where we are, right? Uh, let's start, yeah. shall we, Kartik, with uh, a match that I was so excited to watch. Uh, we're talking about uh, King Power, Leicester City, hosting Arsenal and getting a very, very, very uh, emphatic 2-0 win over Arsenal. Uh, uh, an Arsenal team who have to be looking up to Leicester City right now, sitting in the top four. In point of fact, they're second in the league right now, saying, hey, that's where we used to be every year. You're going to win the Wenger Trophy, and we're not. Uh, times have changed for Arsenal Football Club. They came out today in support of Unai Emery, said nothing will be done this season. They'll evaluate where they finish at the end of the season. Uh, Kartik, uh, you know, you want to talk about West Ham United, a club that moved to a sort of generic football ground uh, and lost its soul. Uh, How about Arsenal? They moved to a brand-new, sleek, modern, uh, custom-built football club and kind of lost their soul too, didn't they? Yeah, they haven't been the same since they moved to the Emirates. Uh, Highbury was the essence of that club. I have to say, we're going to maybe be having the same conversation about Spurs a year from now. Yeah. Because uh, it seems that the uh, collapse of Spurs, no one wants to talk about it, coincided with the move to the new stadium. And quite honestly, I think that new stadium, much like the Emirates, we know what the Emirates did to Arsenal in terms of restricting their ability to spend. Uh, I think we also can assume because of the, all the delays with the opening of Spurs Stadium, there may have been some cost overruns uh, that that's that's hurting. Uh, that's hurting Spurs. But uh, but back to this, um, I'll admit uh, I was busy setting up for the NISA final. Um, I uh, did not get to see this match. Uh, it, we, I was setting up in our press box. So I did have uh, actually the, the, the Dortmund Bayern match on. I won't say I actually saw that match either. I just had it on the television while we were setting up. But do have this match and uh, and uh, their classic or Dortmund Bayern on uh, on DVR. I still plan to watch it at some time during the week. But um, Arsenal, they uh, they're playing a very 
Uh, bad brand of football under Unai Emery, another former Valencia manager. There seems to be a theme. These former Valencia managers uh, bombing out in Spain or, or, or uh, moving from Spain and coming to uh, the Premier League. Uh, unlike uh, the other two I mentioned uh, that are that have done very well, uh, Kiki Sanchez Flores and Nuno Espirito Santo, I don't think uh, it's working for Unai Emery. I think, unfortunately, uh, he has not found a way to um, to shore up the, the uh, Arsenal defensively. It appeared like he had last season, but um, now we're seeing the same defensive problems we saw under Wenger. Now, a lot of it are, are, is down to injuries, but he, he keeps juggling that team. And going forward, um, I don't think they are aggressive enough or um, confident enough to uh, take advantage of the quality they've got with Lacazette and Aubameyang up top. Uh, Nicolas Pepe has not turned out to be the player we thought he'd be. Uh, I think he might be the big, uh, most expensive signing in Arsenal history. So they're a long way off from where they need to be. Leicester, a uh, young team, keep doing well. And this is the, the thing about Brendan Rodgers. I think that's so important uh, for fans to remember is not, not only is he emerging as a great manager, but he's also a manager whose best work throughout his career has been with young players. So at Chelsea, where he was a youth team coach, you had a number of top players come through at that point. He goes to Swansea City, really develops and hones the skills uh, 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 of a couple of players, Joe Allen, Scott Sinclair in particular. Uh, and then he had Sinclair again, brought him back uh, uh, to him in Scotland. And, and, a, and a couple of other guys that really developed under him uh, at Swansea. Uh, goes to Liverpool, develops Raheem Sterling, uh, who's one of the best right. players in the world. Uh, and then uh, now at Leicester has Madison, Barnes, Chowdhury, Ndidi, so many good young players under the age of 22. Uh, and, and, and the Turkish center back, whose name escapes me. That's another one. Uh, these guys are really, really developing. And they're developing a core, uh, a competent core around the same age group. Brendan Rodgers uh, working his magic again with young players. Yeah, great to see. I predicted Leicester would win this game. They did indeed. Our friend John Barr predicted they would finish in the in the Champions League spots at the end of the season. He put that bet before the season starts, Kartik, and I can see that is going to pay off for him. I have no doubt about that. Uh, let's move on to the next matches uh, very quickly. Uh, Chelsea, w- what a wonderful job Frank Lampard is doing. Yeah. He's got a bunch of young kids that are actually rising to the occasion and playing for him. Uh, how nice was it to see Tammy Abraham scoring and Christian Pulisic setting the record now for scoring uh, cons- consecutive store- scoring in the Premier League for an American. Uh, well done to Pulisic. Or equaling the record, or equaling, actually. Excuse equaling me, equaling. Record. Well yeah. done to Pulisic, who is, who is uh, thriving under Frank Lampard. And again, we told people to back off Lampard when he was benching him, when he was saying that he had more work to do. I think you're seeing the sort of player that he can become. And it seems like Frank, Frank Lampard is going to be the Yoda uh, to our American Luke Skywalker uh, of uh, Christian Pulisic. Uh, a big win for Chelsea. Great job from Chelsea. They are currently sitting third in the table. Uh, let's move along, Kartik. We don't have... A, a well, huge... One quick thing yeah. about Chelsea. Yeah. Uh uh, I know uh, you want to talk about Liverpool. Liverpool has this Premier League one, unless these young players from Chelsea are, are, uh, don't hit a wall this season. Then Chelsea could challenge Liverpool. They're the only team in the division that has enough depth uh, and enough quality oh, to challenge I, I uh, think Liverpool. Leicester, they're, I think young, Leicester, they're on the I think, young side. I think Leicester City could. Uh, but it's, it's going to take a blip from Liverpool. But actually, before we get to that, I want to talk Spurs. I don't know that Leicester City has the depth uh, 
Uh, although we saw uh, one thing about Leicester City, I think that's important to point out this week is how well Damari Gray, who's been in the cold, uh, played when he came on in that match. So that's um, and again, I've only seen highlights of that match. I haven't seen the entire match, but the, the highlights I've seen, he looked really influential in the wide area uh, where Iose Perez or Harvey Barnes normally plays. So that that was a positive sign. But um, I, I I don't win sleep on Chelsea. I think they will finish second in the league. They could. They could, I, I would say it's like a 10% chance, but they could win the league. All right. Um, you know what? Spurs, Sheffield United, tell you what, Kartik. Uh, this is one of these awful international <laughs> breaks, okay? Yeah. Where we have, uh, for some reason, another round of, Euro- of, of international football, which I just can't bear, to be honest with you. So we have got a lot of time this week to talk about Chelsea, to talk about Leicester, to talk about Spurs, who drew at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium 1-1. Let's move on to the big match and come back to Spurs tomorrow. How does that sound? Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, quite frankly, that's a whole talk show. About VAR. We have to talk about VAR in relation yeah, to that We have match to talk about VAR. Let's talk about Sheffield Europe. United got denied three right. points Let's by, talk uh, about Bayern VAR. Munich as well this weekend. But let, let, let's go to... Yeah, about Bayern. Yeah, and let's talk about Man United as well later on in the week because they got a really nice result at Old Trafford. Um, and, again, it looks like that ship may well be stabilizing... Uh, not for anything cataclysmically wonderful, but just to stop the to stop stop the rot. Okay, uh, so look, I think you saw today. I, I was, you, you you saw on Sunday that Liverpool desperately want this title, and Man City have won it twice. What Man City desperately want is what Liverpool had last year, and quite frankly, the year before, which was a trip to the Champions League final and an opportunity to win it. Um, I, you know, I know they've had a lot of injuries. I mean, Laporte surely is a huge injury for them. Uh, you know, David Silva is a huge injury for them. Um, I forget who else is injured. Zinchenko. Have, yeah, Zinchenko yeah, Zinchenko. Pretty big injury. They've got, you know, City have had a, a lot of big injuries. But, you know, this is a multi-gazillion pound, super deep squad built for multiple competitions. That is a cop-out to me, Okay. Um, I tell you, I saw a Liverpool team that there was no way they were losing that match from the minute it started. Despite the pressure yeah. put on them by City, despite the VAR non-call or call or, you know, what what have you. Um, right now, I will agree with Pep Guardiola. Liverpool are the best team in the world right now. Uh, it's a combination of the players, the manager, and the belief they have and the desire and the drive. Uh, it's those three things that make a team become what they are. I think City are looking a little tired. Yeah, and, and maybe to to a large extent disinterested. Um, exactly. I think that. Yeah, I think you can only win so much, and uh, City have not necessarily bought well uh, in recent years. The, the the core of the team, the most influential players on the team, remain guys that were bought many years ago, Fernandinho. Aguero, David Silva. I mean, it was Yaya Torre until two years ago. Uh, they, they, their buys have been hit or miss, really, since about 2015. You've seen Otamendi, Mangala, yeah, they haven't yeah. worked out. Wilfred Bonet didn't work out. Uh, jo- Jovatic. They've had a lot of bad buys. Um, and so there is some questionable depth. Uh, Benjamin Mendy, uh, just a disaster at left back. Always injured. Mouthing off on Twitter, um, so Zinchenko big loss. Well, Zinchenko injured. You saw how poor 
uh, defensively, Angelino, the former MLS player, who I'm very happy for him, watched him in MLS, very happy he's gotten this opportunity in the Premier League. Uh, Maybe he is a Premier League player, but he's not a Man City-level player, right? Right. And it went from MLS to the Dutch League, and we know the Dutch League's a gateway to to, uh, the Premier League. Uh, I think City has a lot of problems, and then when you uh, don't have Ed Erickson, I mean, you're you're conceding almost another another goal a game with Bravo because uh, which he certainly did, by the way. That yeah, third yeah. goal, that third goal should have been stopped. Yeah, yeah, and so I think Manchester City has not necessarily bought well um, the last few years. I, I think the one exception to that is Bernardo Silva, who uh, had another pretty good game. Um, but since the Sterling De Bruyne and De Bruyne buys in 2015, both of whom are you know. Those are home run hit, right? I mean, Sterling to me is one of the best players in the world. But uh, since they bought those two guys, they just haven't been as good in the transfer market. So uh, I think that that's catching up with them. Whereas Liverpool now, particularly with Lalana fit and Oxlade Chamberlain fit, have enough depth where they can compete on multiple fronts. Well, so and apparently, I, I think Kartik enough depth where they're going to have two squads: one to play in the FIFA Club World Cup and the other to play in the Elite Cup. Yeah, uh, a day apart, right? Yeah, a day, right, uh, exactly. Which, yeah, yeah um, which it'll be interesting to see which, which squad they take but, where. But because it, uh, it, Interestingly, interestingly, Kartik, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, you only have like a minute, but, you know, interestingly, you know, you talked about the situation at Spurs in the stadium and the situation at West Ham in the stadium, and, you know, we talked about Arsenal in the stadium. You know, the um, Fenway Sports decided not to build a new stadium and get the club billions of dollars into debt. They decided to add on to the existing stadium as much as they could. You know, they are truly showing what a clever, mature, conscientious, fiscally prudent and and, uh, ownership group they are who is dedicated to winning. I don't think there is any other ownership group like them. No, I don't either. I think that they, uh, with the redevelopment of Anfield, rather than tearing it down and building in Stanley Park or or one of those uh, options, they showed they get it in a way that so many other owners don't. uh, And Arsenal, Spurs, West Ham, all these London clubs trying to cash in on bigger stadiums, they've actually hurt uh, their bottom line in terms of football. Uh, Maybe... Uh, profits are up, way up. I know they were way up for West Ham because of the stadium, but West Ham will never compete at a high level again, in my opinion, because of that stadium. Interesting. All right. Well, we have to go. Uh, we're going to be back to wrap it up. Don't worry. We're going to have lots of discussion this week because it's an international week. We're going to talk about the Premier League most of the week. Uh, we'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the show, Fist Free Soccer. Just a couple minutes left in the show, by the way. If you enjoy it, please join us Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on these networks. Kartik and I talk the beautiful game every day of the week. Kartik, uh, literally a couple of minutes uh, left. What are your final thoughts? Give me your final thoughts on this Liverpool City game. Yeah, I thought Liverpool were fantastic. They took their chances. Manchester City uh, were trying to t- uh, kind of walk the ball into the into the net, much like uh, the Wenger, uh, Wenger years at Arsenal. But uh, and some good play for Manchester City. Also, I, I thought Sterling, as usual, is particularly dangerous. Uh, Aguero had another off night, although he had some chances. But yeah, very, very well done to Liverpool. So that's my final thought on that match. And one thing to look for during this international break, I want to say it now, because by the next time we record, maybe it would happen. Uh, with that disastrous performance for Borussia Dortmund in their Klassiker, I'm beginning to hear rumors Lucian Favre, it's an international break, so this is dangerous time for a, man, a right. manager, might get ushered out 
And Jose Mourinho, yes. who's been learning German apparently, mm-hmm. could be the next Borussia Dortmund manager. Think about that for a but minute. What about, but what about Bayern Munich? I hear Alison Wenger's up for that job. Yeah, it looks like they. It looks like they're not going to offer it to Wenger now, um, and uh, they've still got their interim manager. And, and not since he beat Dortmund four 0 they might stick with him for a while. But you know that, that that's always temporary. So I think they revisit the Wenger thing. Um, they wanted Wenger. Uh, they want. They, Wenger wanted a longer commitment, I think, or wasn't willing to commit more than to the end of this season. So uh, I think they'll work that out potentially, and he'll he'll end up there maybe in a month. All right. Well, uh, we will continue to follow the managerial movement because I think we're going to have some more managerial slots opening up very shortly in the Premier League with Ralph Hasenhutl. Um Pochettino. Pochettino, for sure. Uh, They can't keep him. All right, look, so much to talk about. We'll be back on the air with you tomorrow, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. Let's continue the discussion. In the meantime, if you missed any of this show, you can find the podcast immediately after it's finished up on the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V. All right, till later. Cheers. Have a great night. Speak to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.